Uh, Mark, you know, well, well, let me first make this point. I, uh, I, I think that I'm going blank. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Welcome to the podcast. Mark Spence, Ray Comfort, Oscar Navarro. Today, guys, we're going to talk about going blank. Isn't it public speaking, they say, people would prefer over death? Or no, that's Seinfeld said that. He made a joke about one of his stand-ups about it being uh, first before dying. Death, yeah, death was like the preferred fear over public speaking. That's right. I heard that public actually public speaking was the third many years ago. It was in a Pittsburgh newspaper, but Seinfeld changed that. Yeah. What, the let me the trick is just to imagine yourself in your underwear. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's how that goes. <laughs> that's a solution. Uh, Mark, you pointing at me? Oh, you gone blank. He's gone blank. Mark's gone. Oh, Mark's gone blank. Watch your mouth. Oh. <laughs> Stealing Ray's jokes. Yeah, it's a fear um, that we all have of going freezing up in a pulpit. Um, but there is a way out. There's a solution that I've discovered many years ago. Have you gone blank in a pulpit? Easy. Uh, I have. Yeah, my worst, this is, this was one of my worst experiences. And it's because, like, you can go blank and, okay, he didn't remember what he was going to say. But when you forget someone's name that you know very well, I did that once uh, during announcements, Mark, when we That's passed. not as bad. Listen, I, <laughs> Eddie might even show it inside one of our films. Remember when I did the wedding recently down on the beach? Yes. What'd you do? Oh. I was trying so hard to remember her name. I, I mean, I know her name, but we have a friend who have similar names. Yeah. And so on the top and the bottom of both sheets of paper that I had, I had their names written out. And during the actual ceremony, I called her by this other girl's name. Oh. On her special wedding day. Yeah, that's I called bad. her by a different name. And now all of her friends call her by that nickname. <laughs> It's so bad. I don't think any of us could top that one. But you didn't know about it till afterwards, or no? I saw it in her eyes. Oh, she's he's married. So what I did was I I put her actual name. Who's Susan? (laughs) I I put her actual name at the top and at the bottom of my notes, and then in the body there was this one portion where I put the other girl's name in the body, and then I looked down and I just read that portion. And I looked up, and her eyes are as big as Easy's eyes. And <laughs> I just like, oh, boy. The worst thing that's ever happened to me is I was uh, doing a funeral, and my papers all flew away. That's nothing. So Gary, Pastor Gary Ensdale got the wrong body. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Yeah, the whole service he was talking about so-and-so, so-and-so did this, Stop. and did that. And he knew him from years ago, and blah, blah, blah. And he went across the casket, open casket, and saw it was another person. Oh, and no. And why the fellow just went, they're all can sort of... <laughs> What I didn't know he went to he went to China, you know, sort of thing. No, so that way. that makes yeah. that, that that does top marks. It, it I really do, does. I have to admit, I walked on the. But Mark, you know, it's a good thing she didn't go bridezilla on you, because that that's that's She's pretty such bad. A sweet lady, yeah, She's so nice. You were fortunate, but you didn't freeze up. You just I didn't. Well, I mean, I think the show preferred. must go on, right? Yeah. Did you apologize in the middle? I mean, did you no? Catch I yourself? just. Oh, I think I did. I think I said something quick. But there, there had audio issues. I was on PCH and motorcyclists yeah. and alarms going it's on. It's not a good place to have a <laughs> That's her. Fault. And it was at a that beautiful point. hotel. Yeah. The Hyatt Regency. 
Wow. It was so nice. So, okay, you remember guys. the hotel's name, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Mark's priorities. But, you know, guys, the, our friends listening to us, most of them are not preachers, right? I mean, we, we've experienced it at the pulpit or in, in our public speaking. But I think one of the biggest hindrances to people witnessing is their fear of not knowing what to say or going blank or... Um, and what, but what causes that? Like, it's happened to me as, as I've witnessed. Like, I'm trying to recall something. And I'm trying to think of what to say on my feet. But what is it that does that? It's a fear of it happening. <laughs> really, yeah, if you well. start thinking, oh, I hope I don't, I hope I don't go, bah, 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 and then it happens. But I found something many years ago that helped me uh, so wonderfully. I was at a church, about 3,000 people. And uh, my mind went blank. I lost my, where I was up to in my notes. So I just said, uh, everyone turned to Leviticus 3, verse 7. And so everyone did. And then I said, keep your finger in that. And then Titus 1, verse 4. And then I, that gave me 30, 40 seconds. I found my place, got my mind back clear. And I said, they were fake scriptures. So I lost my place. And, and everyone laughed. Really? And I, yeah. And <laughs> quite seriously, that's funny. But knowing that happened 30 years ago, knowing I can do that in a pulpit if I had to go, go blank, Save me from the fear of going blank. Yeah, and that's been buys wonderful. It's been, a, it's been, a, yeah, buys myself some time. I know I can do that, and we can do the same thing when you're, uh, if you go blank when you're when you're witnessing. Yeah, just, just keep a Bible in your pocket. Your mind goes blank. Say, look, I'd like to give you this Bible. Have you ever read this verse in John chapter three? And you mark it, and you know you can do that if your mind goes blank and the fear isn't there. You know, yeah. one of the greatest um, public speakers in history, Winston Churchill, went blank. He used to work with notes, and one time he got up to give a speech, and he completely blinked on the entire speech and never got it back, ended up cutting it short, fumbled his way through it, and he was so frustrated with himself that he started manuscripting every speech that he did after that because he never wanted to go blink again. Oh, my pastor every week speaks without notes. Who? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. But, you know, in fact, build off, building off of Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill was sick and he was inside the hospital. And my pastor tells a story how he had a visitor came and visited him. He was working on something, and he was asked the question, what are you working on? And his response was, my next spontaneous speech. Nice. Right. He got you that know. from Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Twain says it takes me two weeks to prepare a spontaneous speech. That's good. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Oscar, you brought up Churchill, because, I mean, we didn't talk before the, the podcast, but... Uh, I, I wanted to share this. This is out of uh, R. Kent Hughes' Disciplines of a Godly Man. He was talking about discipline, and I think this is a good thing for us to camp out on a little bit in terms of what can we do to help minimize mm-hmm. going blank or not having something to say. And he said this. He said, In our time, Winston Churchill has been rightly proclaimed the speaker of the century, and few who have heard his eloquent speeches would disagree. Still, few would suspect he was anything but a natural. But the truth is Churchill had a distracting lisp which made him the butt of many jokes and resulted in his inability to be spontaneous in public speaking. Yet he became famous for his speeches and his seemingly impromptu remarks. Actually, Churchill wrote everything out and practiced it. He even choreographed the pauses and pretended fumblings for the right phrase. The margins of his manuscripts carried notes anticipating the cheers, hear, hears, uh, prolonged uh, cheering, and even standing ovation. This done, he practiced endlessly in front of mirrors, fashioning his retorts and facial expressions. F.E. Smith said, Winston has spent the best years of his life writing impromptu speeches. A natural, 
perhaps a naturally disciplined, hardworking mm. man. I love that. Boy, it's so funny you should mention Winston Churchill because I've got a quote that I was going to share. <laughs> Winston Churchill. Churchill said this, and I think it's so cool. If, if you have an important point to make, don't try to be subtle or clever. Use a pile driver. Hit the point once and then come back and hit it again and mm. hit it a third time. Wow. It's so funny you guys are quoting Winston Churchill because I named my dog Winston. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Winston. You did, actually. Yeah. 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 Funny. But that's such a good point what he's making about hitting it three times because Luke chapter 3, sorry, chapter 15 uh, Jesus gives the same illustration three times, finding a coin, finding a lost sheep, and then finding the prodigal son. Yeah. And uh, it's the same just pile-driving point that God cares about the lost. He came to seek and save that which is lost. So right. what's your point? I have, I haven't, uh, <laughs> that was my first. I'm, I'm going to have three tries of right. that. You know, uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. What can we do to minimize that? And it's not just in sharing the gospel and preaching, but even in conversations with people. Sometimes people have a hard time knowing what to say to other people, carrying on a conversation. It gets awkward. But I love what you talked about, Ray, in terms of like being prepared. You have that already set in your mind, what you're going to do at the pulpit if you go blank or if you're talking to someone with the Bible or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the thing you do too when, you're, when your throat dries up and you need to take a drink of water. You have a little line uh, about... Uh, oh, there's a it. tadpole in my throat trying to evolve into a frog. I'll drown it. <laughs> <laughs> and it brings laughter yes. from the crowd, which then kind of alleviates the atmosphere. And, and you can you know. do a big, <clears throat> that got it, and yeah. carry on. It's oh, quite fun. It's wonderful. But I think the same thing can happen, too, either when we're witnessing or when we're just conversing with someone. Ideas of what to say. You're prepared beforehand. You have thoughts in your mind, a whole list of what you can say, how you can carry on a conversation. You know? I think most people who are listening to this probably aren't even thinking about it in the context of standing up on a box and preaching yeah, right. where you've got like a you know three minutes to capture the attention and preach the gospel. I think most of us, uh, we're worried about that happening when we're at the coffee shop, when we're at lunch, and we're preaching the gospel to our non-believing friends. And um, I think two things. One, having a roadmap to your conversation and knowing where you're going to present a full gospel is incredibly important. I think Ray does a really good job at this uh, because there's often times in the middle of a conversation where there'll be a statement that's made that's almost like a smokescreen, a distraction. And if you go down the rabbit trail too far, you'll lose track of that roadmap of heading in the direction of proclaiming the gospel. Right? And you'll find a rabbit, and that's not what you're after. That's exactly right, yeah. We're after the gospel. Do um, rabbits make noise? By any chance? No. Yeah, that's not one of the animal noises we taught our kids. Um, Carry on. So, yeah, what sound is the squirrel? (laughs) Um, So, so does a fox say? That was a song, right? The 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 point is to not be distracted like what you guys are trying to do to me right now, (laughs) but instead focus on on where you're going in the midst of that conversation. Then I would say the second thing is is to to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Seriously, to know what you're talking about, to not just memorize one-liners, to not just memorize a script, uh, to not just memorize things, but to actually saturate your mind in the things of God, uh, specifically in the gospel. Um, in, in things like apologetics, if you're passionate about preaching the gospel often enough, mm. saturate your thought, your mind to that, because then you can navigate a conversation, and when you hear something new, you'll have a category for it. You'll have direction for it. You're not just trying to recall a one-liner that you put away six months ago. Because that's when, when you're tapping into those specific memory banks, that's when your mind tends to go blank. But when you just, when you know, 
when your mind's saturated in the things of God uh, uh, and, and you're being empowered by the Holy, Holy Spirit, you'll always have something to say. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, listen, we need to prepare, right? Easy, you tell me all the time, if you fail to prepare, well, then you're preparing for failure. Uh, Winston Churchill, I don't know if we've quoted him recently, but he said, history will be kind to me for I intend to write it. Ooh. Just staying one step ahead of the game right and getting ready. Yeah. Was it Lincoln that said, I will prepare and study? I will study and prepare and perhaps my time will come. Ooh, I love that. If you're waiting for inspiration, you might just get perspiration. So you've got to be... Diligent. Plato said, a wise man speaks because he has something to say. A fool speaks because he wants to say something. And we have something to say. We have a gospel. So it's important to practice what we preach and become comfortable in it. I I talk to myself apologetically all the time. Mm. I find myself just naturally doing it in the shower, whatever I'm doing. I'm not doing anything. It's taking concentration. I'm just going over and over different thoughts. I've got this person in front of me that's arguing a certain point and I'm coming back at a certain point. It's a subconscious thing that's going on. I'm continually doing role play and stuff like that inside my car when I'm driving. When I come across a question, there's Q&A from panels. I pause it and then I say what my, and with the fluctuation that I would give it inside of a situation, I'm I'm gonna continue to do that, but I'm not gonna give up. You know, Winston Churchill, he said, success. (laughs) Welcome to the Churchill Podcast. (laughs) Success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Mm, Good, wow. Churchill once says, why do people keep quoting me? (laughs) Yeah, well, he actually did say, never, never, never give in. Yes. Never, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you know, well, well, let me first make this point. I, uh, I, I think that I'm going blank. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening to me. Yeah, that much of okay, no, I got upon. it. I got it. You know, I think honestly, we get completely desensitized to things that should still thrill us, right? I mean, oh, yeah. imagine dropping this this smartphone into someone's lap back in the '80s and and show them all that it can do. One of the coolest things on my uh, smartphone is the Notes app. Mm-hmm. And this, I can't tell you how many times this has saved me. You know, for me, uh, I've come to realize how valuable it is for people when you know their name and you remember their name. And, you know, we all want to remember people's names. We want to make attempts. But sometimes it's just, it's hard to, to do that. So, like, with all my neighbors, I've written all their names down in my notes. That's good. I do that sometimes when I meet people at church. You know, I had I had a notebook before I started using my smartphone for that, but I would put people's names down and a little description of what they looked like or whatever. 
and it helps so much. Mm-hmm. And then you get that, and people are like, wow, you, you remembered me, and it helps you share the I gospel. pray for our neighbors every night. Down up for years, I've got a list of the neighbors that I pray for, but when I see them in the flesh, I have to go through the whole <laughs> list in my mind in order to remember their name. It's yeah. they're, they're the number five down. <laughs> well, what's helped, so me, bad what's helped me is on my prayer list, I just have neighbors, and so that disciplines me to go through house by house, and then, you know, and oh, that way I remember their names. Uh, but, but Mark, I say all that to say one of the things that you've inspired me in is cheat sheets. Yeah. How, how cool is that to be able to do that? What got you doing that? Is that bullet points? And what is it? Yeah, cheat? you know, it's really great. So, and it's a good question. Uh, Winston Churchill once said, oh the price of greatness oh, is now, responsibility. It's now becoming nauseating, <laughs> right? So we need to be responsible for what God places uh, before us. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a great apologist that would go out witnessing on Friday nights, and he said to the people that were with him, if you get asked a question that you don't have an answer for, come and get me. Not that I have the answers, but I want to know the questions that are being asked. Mm. So I took from that, when I would go and I would hear questions, and the questions became regular, why do I need to memorize this? Why can't I just type out a really good, quick, pithy answer, place that inside my Bible that I have with me, and now with it? A smartphone, boy, you have everything at your mm-hmm. disposal. Right. And just being able to quickly go through some bullet points and some answers uh, th- that are there. So you don't have to give yourselves over to memorizing huge amounts of rabbit-trailed answers. It's, it's not necessary. And you can yeah. stick to memorizing uh, Scripture. Yeah, so, it's wonderful. That's what got I me mean, into you know, I, I saw that very effectively done with our friend John Harris, uh, Living Waters Europe. Yeah. He has a, a video where he was witnessing to a, a Muslim guy. It was, in fact, it was a, a, like a white English Muslim guy, which is so <laughs> rare to find. But John pulled out his phone and he just started, you know, and he had it. And that's powerful. I mean, I love to memorize. You guys know that. And it's yeah. powerful and good and effective. But sometimes it's just so much. But when you have something at the ready and you organize it well, yeah. so you're talking to someone, oh, Jesus wasn't God. He never said, I'm God. He's God. Oh, actually. And you just open it up and boom, you can go. Right. Mm. You know? Mm. So th- those are effective things. I don't know who brought it up before, maybe Oscar, about being passionate about it. Um, you study for that what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what people, it's, it's just a, it's what you do. D.H. Lawrence said, be, um, be still when you have nothing to say. When genuine passion moves you, say what you've got to say and say it hot. Ooh. Yeah. And it's, that's, if, anything, if there's anything we should be passionate about, it's people's salvation. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what I talk about. You know, we've got to overcome our fears. We've all got fears, but like firefighters, Firefighter may become fearful, but he's not going to be a firefighter if he doesn't overcome his fears. Yeah. He's got to pull himself together when he, when he sees people in danger. And when we see people in danger, my fears are nothing. My going blank is nothing compared to what is in store for them if they die in their sins. So that's why we've got to yeah. overcome it. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who um, was like, I, I could never wrap my head around all of the information to be able to have like, something to say if somebody had a tough question for me. But this same guy is in like five fantasy football leagues, wins like four of them every year, and knows every quarterback, every tight end, every wide receiver. He knows their stats, the team who's playing. Like, I can hear him have a 45-minute conversation, and he is rattling off names and data and stats and who's got the bye week. And, And what's the difference? Because he's just putting information that he's passionate about into his head. Yeah. The difference is that he's just 
more passionate about fantasy football than he is yeah. preaching the gospel. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's funny you say that. A friend of mine, this is probably, boy, over 25 years ago. In fact, he and I were texting this morning. We're still really good friends. But I worked with him. He was brilliant in the workplace. But he would say to me, Easy, how do you memorize scripture? And how do you share the gospel? And how do you know things about, you know, church history or facts about Christianity or whatever? I wrote him a letter. And I said, what's the difference between memorizing every price in the store, which he had, and memorizing Bible references, like $3.16, John 3.16. What's the difference between being able to know all these facts about all the products and their history and knowing facts about the faith and Mm. church history, whatever? What's the difference between boldly coming up to customers and representing the store policy, which he would do, no, sir, sorry, our policy, you know, and sharing the gospel with someone? And you nailed it. It's investment of heart and time and energy. And Ray, don't you agree that passion can be cultivated? Because someone might be, like, you might know the right things. Some of the people listening may, may think, well, I know it's right to share the gospel. I don't feel a passion. Can't that be cultivated by, by what? Prayer, investment of study? of Study of scripture. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm passionate about the ungodly and their fate because I've studied mm-hmm. what hell would be mm-hmm. like. Right. Just a kidney stone helped deepen my passion. <laughs> oh, man. You know, just experiencing pain that mm. is undescri- indescribable, and then thinking about the pains of hell. Wow. How horrific is that? I wouldn't mm. wish it on my worst enemy. And so when, I, when I'm talking to someone, there is a genuine, I want to grab them, I want to slap their face and say, yeah. snap out of it. Others save, or having compassion, save with fear, pulling them from fire, hating them in the garment, spotted by the flesh. I'm working on a video at the moment uh, from Huntington Beach just this Saturday in which a guy says, um, I, I don't want to talk, I'm out of here. And he started walking away. So I walked with him and said, can I walk with you and share the gospel with you? He says, okay. And he was, and I guarantee in the comment section, people are going to say, what you're wasting your time for that with that guy for? Hmm. Well, I'm not wasting my time because that, that could be a seed. Just me walking with him could show that I care about him. Amen. And, uh, and we should be thinking to ourselves, this person could die tonight. Yeah. And I'm not going to be uh, dispassionate about him mm. if that's all apathetic about him. I'm going to have compassion and care. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and, you know, people, I think, oftentimes don't realize that when you invest your heart and mind. And so I love the saying that says, you know, uh, lead with your will, let your emotions follow. Mm. And, I mean, Jesus made it clear where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we have to invest when you invest your time in something, I mean, imagine you write a whole college paper and then it disappears after you've spent 10 hours writing it for whatever reason, your file goes bad. You're heartbroken because of the, the time mm. that was spent because time is valuable, you know? And when we invest our time like that, uh, it's, it's gonna be, our heart's gonna follow it. I think a lot of times people are relying upon uh, their strength, their intelligence, something that they think is a natural gifting, They're but it's not. We, we need to have that uh, continuous effort that we put into it, and it is the key to unlocking our potential, said Winston Churchill. Oh, goodness. Oh, <laughs> what do you guys recommend to somebody who might be listening and they're really about to get their feet wet with evangelism? Where do they start? How do they, what do they start reading, memorizing? Where do you start preparing? Does anybody, anybody at all Stop it, Oscar Ray Comfort is dying. (laughs) Um, Mark, what do you think? Yeah, (laughs) Um, ask questions. The Socratic method, it it really does work. If you're you're thinking, I've got to give a speech to this person, I've got to memorize, just say, do you think there's an afterlife? 
why do you think that? Are you scared of dying? Have these questions that they'll come naturally. They'll f- His response will feed your response and give you questions. So if you ask questions and get him to talk, he's going to feel more relaxed. Um, and, and that's what I do all the time. Yeah. I, I don't know why I ask questions. That's a question. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you know, Scripture is clear on the importance of being ready. I mean, listen to some of these, these Proverbs. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 19, 2, also it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. 2 Timothy two fifteen. study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that, that needs not to blush uh, or be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, I mean, that's key. Study is how to answer. Uh, study to show yourself approved. That's, that is major. And that gives you confidence too when, when you're in a situation and yeah. you're dealing with things. And the other thing too is we're talking about people. We're not open air preaching or in a, in a yeah. pulpit, just going out for a walk and meeting a stranger. It's always awkward when you meet a stranger. Um, I think uh, Mark Twain uh, gave a good quote. There are only two types of speakers in the world, the nervous and liars. Because <laughs> everyone gets nervous when you when you get in a pulpit and have to speak in front of an audience. But just meeting strangers is always traumatic for, for most people. Because yeah. you've got to remember their name and it could become awkward and that. So my advice is get a dog. Because when you go for a walk with a dog and you meet a stranger, the, the focus is on the dog and not on you. Mm. And it takes, it takes all the heat out of it. So I can meet strangers all the time, complete strangers that focus on the dog and say, oh, well, let me talk about the dog. Yeah. So uh, if you want to witness, go for a walk with your dog. Yeah. You know what's really helped me um, is realizing that nervousness is the same chemical reaction that your body has when it increases in adrenaline. And adrenaline gives you uh, power and strength to... Um, do things physically or emotionally that you couldn't otherwise do. And so just the other day, I was preaching at a, a much larger church than I'm used to preaching at, and I was feeling pretty nervous backstage. And um, it was really helpful for me to think about, wait a minute, this isn't this isn't just nerves, this is adrenaline. And let me look at it from that perspective. Let but it's a horrible feeling. It's not a nice feeling, nervous. A nervous is man it? is a praying man, you once told me many Yeah, that's ago. true. If you're weak at the knees, drop onto them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it's weird because you could have done something so many times. Mark and I were talking about it the other day in terms of how much we've spoken over the course of the last 25 plus years. I mean, I, from all the conferences and retreats and churches and I, I mean, a lot. And yet you could still feel nervous. It it's bizarre. You but know? it's good. It's, it, it does bring you to trust It keeps you God. dependent on the Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. And... Also, you know, one of the things I, I, I try to say regularly to myself is it's going to work out. It always has. It always will. And it's remembering that God has always gotten you through it. And what, mm. are you, what are you nervous about? These people, especially in a church, right? They're here to listen to you. They're friendly. <laughs> They're, you know what I mean? And not only that, um, humor is just such a oh. wonderful way to get rid of yeah. uh, your fears. Um, I know I always, when I get into a new pulpit, um, begin with humor. It's usually a joke about something dumb I've done or something like that. And it makes them laugh. 
And that releases my fears, mm -hmm. but it relieves their fears that I'm going to be as dry as old toast. Yeah. If I've got a sense of humor, they think, oh, this is not going to be 30, 40 minutes of just hearing a guy ramble on about nothing. He's got a sense of humor. He's, he's yeah. human, and it helps me, and it helps them. And I know you have your... Uh, your, your places like Churchill, your places where you know people are going to laugh. Oh, yeah. And that's, although it didn't work once when I spoke um, at a big Christian uh, school assembly um, where I didn't realize half the audience were non-Christians. Oh, yeah. And oh, so, I was with you then. Yeah, you're with me. And I just did something that just always has them rolling in the aisles. Mm -hmm. And no, no one rolled in the aisles. <laughs> yeah, no one right. even... It was a Christian university that also ad admitted unbelievers. Yes. And it was a form of outreach, like, you know, to influence them. But... I spoke twice at that same place. Uh -huh. and so same thing? It, so, you know, there's times, it's funny with humor because there's times when you know it's the audience's problem yes. because you've done this joke <laughs> a thousand times and they always laugh and then this one doesn't, ah, oh, it's their Do you problem. explain that to them? You say, hey, look, <laughs> that was funny, but you, you guys... guys have no sense of humor. <laughs> you know, I, I often throw the blame back on God in the sense that he came to seek and save that which is lost. Mm. Uh, remember that I'm but dust. Right. You know, I like to say, you know, Christianity, and I didn't come up with this, obviously, it's nothing new, but Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, and we tell people about the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you consider that we're, we're all worms, but we're glowworms, mm -hmm. right? That's what Winston Churchill said. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. He did, he did not, too, Mark. Oh, Mark. Just <laughs> let's, 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 I think Mark. we're doing him a disservice now. Churchill These rampage. are good quotes. That are yeah, that is a good quote. Yeah. I'm going to use Mark that Spence one. Winston discovered Winston it's Churchill. It's like, <laughs> like scratching. You've got to stop scratching after a while or you'll draw blood. Who said that? No, I just Was said that. that. No, I didn't. So, Ray, I wanted to to explore this with you because speaking about nervousness and public speaking and all that, you had a terrible experience, didn't you, when you were in high school before oh, you were saved? it wasn't terrible. It was horrific. Tell it was us. above horrific. Well, I was into surfing in a big way and um, there were class speeches and I was terrified of doing class speech. So I stayed away every Tuesday when they had class speeches, but I didn't realize the teacher had all the names listed and he was crossing them off and he saw mine was still there and everyone was gone. So he says, you're on next week, next Tuesday. Oh. So I got up to talk about my passion, surfing, and I was about 30 seconds into it and I just heard my heart booming in my ear, just fum, fum. From, from so loud I couldn't think straight. I used to call it, I used to get called Red Indian and Beetroot Face or Beet Face when I was a, a little kid in primary school because I blushed really easily. Wow. And then I heard the Red Indian raising his ugly head, the drum beating, and my mind went blank. And I had to sit down in front of all my peers at the age of 16, which was devastating. And I vowed with all the vowing I had, never would I ever speak in public again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> I didn't realize, I mean, I knew you had said, I'm never going to speak again, but I didn't realize it was that, like, you were that intent on oh, never speaking again in public. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, that's it. it was, I can understand that when people say fear of death and then public speaking's close to it, that's how I felt. It was just absolute humiliation. So how long were you up there before you sat down? About 30 seconds. <laughs> you just dried up? Like just dried up. Couldn't think of anything couldn't else to Couldn't think of anything say. to say. I went and sat down. The teacher took over. Oh. And, uh, and, and so when, when anyone mocks someone else for blushing, some 13-year-old you know, blushes, and people say, hey, you going red? What are you going red for? I just feel like going up and punching that person in the nose and saying, don't be so insensitive. This is mm. so hard for this poor person. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird. You know, it, with nervousness, it's hit and miss. Like, I've, I mean, I've spoken to audiences of thousands and thousands, and not, not, not a single nerve. 
Sometimes it could be a group of 20 people and you feel That's I 100 times more worse. nervous when yes. it's smaller. It's weird. It's too intimate. Yeah, if there's people like 15,000 people a half a mile away, it's not bad, yeah. you know? Yeah. But when oh, there's yeah. three people sitting right in the front row and they're catching a spit, it's just so close. <laughs> but then but then sometimes it's a small group and nothing, not the slightest. It's just so random yeah. and weird and you yeah. know, bizarre. But Ray, you did end up getting up and speaking yeah. and you've who would guess that, right? Who would guess? I remember hearing someone really famous who speaks a lot say Winston Churchill publicly, uh, his grandma say, <laughs> say publicly that they, when they got saved, they said, God, I will do anything. I'm your servant except speak publicly. Mm. <laughs> and God took him and made him a public speaker. Well, that but, first time open air preaching was horrific for me. Would that have been the first time you? Did public speaking after that? <clears throat> no, I got called upon a couple of times as a brand new Christian um, to get up and share my testimony, which is different. When you're speaking anecdotally of your experience, it's yeah. easier because it just lines up in your memory banks. You're not yeah. having to sort of go somewhere you're not you know, familiar with. <clears throat> so I think three or four times as a new Christian, because I stood out in churches, I had my hair on my shoulders and was just sun bleach that people say, oh, Ray, come on, here you become Christian, come and tell us about it. And it was, I was prepared for that. But going into the heart of our city and speaking to strangers just took every ounce of courage I had. Wow. And I was terrified, but I had to do it. I knew I had to do it. Mm. And I kept going back and it was still as hard, what's worse the second time. Yeah. And then I just kept, and it probably took three or four months before that Oh, horrific feeling when it went down to terror, which was... Uh, <laughs> it lowered itself to yes. terror. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's encouraging to me when uh, there's you know, someone that I really admire and who's a major speaker and they confess, yeah, I still feel nervousness. You know, it's like, what? You do? Wow. It, it's bizarre, you know? Uh, but Oswald Chambers said, <clears throat> the remarkable thing is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Mm -hmm. And so having a fear of God, <clears throat> loving God, and knowing that we have a moral responsibility makes me push aside my fears. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, how could I not do what he's told me? To, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel, Paul said. I love what you always say, let love swallow your fears. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, for me, it's focusing back on his word. Mm -hmm. uh, if, I'm, if, if I am nervous before getting up and preaching, as an example... Uh, to remind myself, my focus is going to be on His Word. Um, that way, their focus becomes on Him, and then and then I'm out of the picture. Yeah, I'm up there, but I'm not the mainstay. You know? I think I think having getting to a place where you're not afraid to fail, you're not afraid to stumble or fumble or mess up. I mean, because it's not like you said, it's not about you. Lord, yeah. I'm here. I'm your servant, and let whatever happen happen. You know, happen. keep the main thing the main thing too, right? Yes. I mean, make sure you're always heading towards the gospel, right? If, if you never, you'll never hit your destination if you're, all, if you're busy throwing stones at every dog that barks, right? So Winston Churchill said that. But the idea is every question that comes our way, if we're so busy answering all of these questions, sometimes people just need to vent. Yeah. They need to get things off their chest. I allow people to just say everything and anything that's going to go their way and pull the old Ray Comfort move. Oh, that reminds me. How many lies do you, have, do you think you've told over the course of your life? Or how many yeah. things have you stolen? Keep the main thing the plain thing. Speaking of the main thing, it's always good to have water on the pulpit. Well, not water on the pulpit, a glass of water on the pulpit. Because when you get nervous, the mouth tends to go dry. Remember that old story about the African chief? Yeah. They, they, they lined the 
potential of someone who's supposed to commit a murder in the tribe, and they said, whoever can't spit dies. Because <laughs> your saliva dries up if you're, if you're fearful, yeah. and the guilt will produce fear. I mean, I'd, my, my saliva would dry up anyway if I'm innocent in a situation <laughs> like that. But I know, Easy, you, you, it's important for you. Your mouth has gone dry seriously yeah, recently. Yeah, and, and, and that's what's weird with that, is even if I'm not nervous, it'll do it, you know, at times. Uh, and I've noticed when I take people through the commandments and they've got a drink in their hand, they drink real quick as we go through this. And I think, yep. These. But you know, what, you know what's helped me? I, I did this at a recent place I spoke. I hydrated myself like mm. crazy the night before, like a camel. I mean, I drank and drank and drank. And then I hydrated myself that, that morning and then I had a humidifier on through the night. And I like, you know, in the morning, I'm like breathing in the humidifier. So I went to the bathroom like 30 times during my message, <laughs> but I never once, I never had a drunk drunk. You know what I think is really important too that we haven't really discussed is, again, I'm thinking about the person who's about to have a gospel conversation. They want to proclaim the gospel. They're worried that the person's going to ask a question. Most people that you talk to are not well prepared. They're not the atheist that wrote a book. They're not that online troll that has, you know, a bunch of one-liners in their back pocket. They're sincerely sitting down with you to learn about your faith, uh, to share their story with you. And I think a big part of this is just being a really good listener, being a sympathetic listener. Because if you're not a good listener, you can have the right answer to the question, but deliver it in the wrong kind of way. Yeah. Just one primary example is like, if somebody's asking you a question about suffering, how are they asking you that question? Are they asking you in a way that sounds academic, where they're thinking to themselves, how, how does it add up that a, a sovereign God who is loving would allow suffering? Or are they asking you because they just attended the funeral of their sister or brother yeah. who just passed away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're sincerely asking you, where is God in my pain? And so I think a part, a huge part of not allowing your mind to go bl- blank is to just be a good listener, to be incarnate in the conversation. That's so true. You know, when that happens to me sometimes, I, I come back with saying, I, I lost my mom and dad. They just died recently. And that produces, that gets their hair down on their back, mm, so yeah. to speak, they, they, because I'm empathizing with them and uh, I've got a sense of compassion. and. Sometimes we don't know why, people, why God allows suffering and read the book of Job. Um, but that's a, that's a question that probably makes most of our listeners feel that's going to make my mind go blank. Mm. So it's good to go over in your mind what you would say if someone says, why does God allow suffering? And they've got a tear in their eye at the same time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's that, I think it's that hybrid of being prepared, but also being prepared to change course, even mm. if it's something that you're really familiar with. Oscar, that's so powerful. In listening, you are, you, people know when you're just waiting for them to get done yeah. so that you could give your point. Like me right now. Yeah, hurry up, <laughs> move it on, yep, right. Uh, but no, when, when you are listening, you, you're tracking, and that leads to questions mm-hmm. when you're sincerely wanting to know, which shows interest, and that, that all has a, you know, a big effect. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, this has been just good. And guys, look, we have things to help you. One of the things Ray mentioned was uh, 
you know, being prepared. One of the things I've seen Ray do is give tracks to people. Like the Curved Illusion, when I first met you, Ray, you did the Curved Illusions, and I thought, wow, that was, <laughs> gets your attention, it, it deflects off of you, and then it can create conversation too. And so you, you produce this little tract, Ray, from something my beautiful wife sent you. I want to explain it to us? Yeah, your beautiful wife is my daughter, just in case people are wondering. Oh, yeah. Um, it's awkward. It's, uh, it was awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain on radio. You'll have to explain what that picture is on the front. It's a doctor talking to a patient. You yeah. want to read it? How much longer do I have, doc? And the doc says four. And the man says, four what? Years, months, weeks? And the doctor says three. <laughs> three. Seconds. Three seconds. And it really makes you laugh about death. And on the back, if I could have it across here, I could actually read it. This is a great getaway track because it says sometimes we joke about death, but it's really not funny. Life is frightening enough, but death makes it worse. If you've ever wondered if there's something you can do about what the Bible calls the king of terrors, there certainly is. There's nothing to do with, and it has nothing to do with becoming a religious or a good person. If you're interested, simply go to needgod.com or run your phone over this QR code. And so it doesn't even preach the gospel, but it takes someone instantly by rubbing their, rubbing their, running their phone over the QR code to needgod.com, which clearly um, gives the gospel. So this is a great little track. It is my new favorite track. Yeah, to sure. just leave lying around or to give to someone. Yeah. And, um, so that's very exciting. So that's yeah. available at livingwaters.com. Yeah, and then also, friends, another great thing that you can give away. Uh, it's real small. It's a little book by our friend Tom Hammond called Solving the God Puzzle. Can we know with certainty God exists? Uh, it's, it's amazing. You can uh, get them through Living Waters. And uh, they also have great information in them. Did you mention it's free? Yeah, oh, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to get them so you can give them away. So and lots of 50, I think. That's a really yeah. good book. It's like a three to five minute read, but it does a really good job of going over the gospel and common questions. Yeah. I like Maybe Tom. Maybe 15 to 20, not three. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, that's Tom. a book, right? A yeah. gospel track, maybe three minutes. Yeah. yeah. I like Tom Hammond. He's, uh, you know, I, I actually give up. <laughs> I like Tom Hammond, who wrote the book. He's got a very dry sense of humor, and he, he loves the Lord, loves oh, He's, he's donated brother. those books uh, so that we can give them away free of charge. So that's a huge blessing. Yeah. So let me want Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Please, all the way. I'm closing, so you better go. I was about to say, I think we learned a valuable lesson today, which is never ask Mark to officiate your wedding. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or or mention Churchill around Mark's fence. Never, I'm never going to quote Churchill again. Yeah. I got a good Churchill quote right oh, here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, friends, thank you for joining us today on the Living Waters Podcast. chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.